First Kings chapter 10, verses 1 to 15. That's on page 348 of the Red Church Bible. That's First Kings chapter 10, verses 1 to 15. Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relationship to the Lord. She came to test Solomon with hard questions. Arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan, with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all she had in her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, the food in his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. She said to the king, The report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe these things until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth, you have far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your people must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be to the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. And she gave the king 120 talents of gold, large quantities of spices and precious stones. Never again were so many spices brought in as those the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Hiram's ships brought gold from Ophir, and from there they brought great cargoes of almogwood and precious stones, the king used the almog wood to make supports for the temple of the Lord and for the royal palace, and to make harps and lyres for the musicians. So much almog wood has never been imported or seen since that day. King Solomon gave the Queen of Sheba all she desired and asked for, besides what he had given her out of his royal bounty. Then she left and returned with her retinue to her own country. The weight of gold that Solomon received yearly was 666 talents, not including the revenues from merchants and traders and from all the Arabian kings and the governors of the territories. Thank you, Sam. Well, this morning we're going to jump straight into uh, the text, and let me just outline very briefly the three things we're going to see 
uh, from this this morning. Here they are, life under God's king, blessings from God's king, and gifts for God's king. So life under the king, blessings from the king, and gifts for the king. So let's pray. Father, would you please, through your written word and by your spirit and through what I have to say, would you speak truth into our hearts, transform us and change us so that we can see the wonderful blessings there are in Christ and that he is all that we need. Teach us today, we pray. Amen. So first, life under God's king. Well, life under God's king could really not have been better. Have a quick look back to chapter 4, verse 20. We have a a wonderful picture of what life was like under King Solomon. Chapter 4, verse 20. The people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They ate, they drank, and they were happy. These people had everything that they needed. Verse 25. During Solomon's lifetime, Judah and Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, from north to south, lived in safety, everyone under their own vine and under their own fig tree. Nobody was in need or in want. They are a blessed people. They are satisfied and fulfilled. It's life of peace and prosperity. It's really a picture of the world that we all long for. A picture of the true kingdom that God gives to all those who live under God's king. Now here's the good news for us. God's king is to be a king for all nations and all peoples. Remember Solomon's prayer? Have a look at chapter 8, verse 41. Just flick on a little bit. Chapter 8, verse 41. This was part of Solomon's prayer. Chapter 8, verse 41. As for the foreigner, so the outsider, the one who, who didn't belong, as for the foreigner who does not belong to your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your name, for they will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. When they come and pray towards this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place. The anticipation is that people from other nations would come that they wouldn't be excluded, but that God would welcome and accept them, that they could come and enjoy life under God's king. Well, it seems as if Solomon's prayer has been answered. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 23. 
chapter 10, verse 23, King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. Where did they come from? Verse 24, the whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. The nations are coming to the king. They are coming to live under the king. Now, I, this really shouldn't be a surprise to us because remember God's promise to Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. I have it on the screen for you. In chapter 12, verse 3, it reads this, I will bless you, God says, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see, God had made this promise that there would be blessing for all peoples, no matter where you came from. And that blessing would come through God's King. You see, whoever we are today, whatever our race or religion, whatever our background or experience in life, the invitation is to come, for we are called to live our life under God's King. You see, when we come to God's King, all our deepest longings are fulfilled and satisfied. So first, the call to live under God's King. Second, blessings from God's King. Now, in chapter 10 of 1 Kings, certainly the first half that we had read to us, gives us an example of the nations or the kind of people that came to God's king. We're introduced to her in verse 1, Queen Sheba. We don't know a lot about her or the nation of Sheba, wherever that was. Some think it's in modern-day Yemen and it was about a thousand miles that we, she travelled. We, we don't really know, other than it was a long way away. But she does teach us some things that we can learn. First, look at her searching and longing. The Queen of Sheba is a very, very wealthy woman. If you look at verse 2, arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan, not the wheeled variety, but a whole entourage of camels, carrying spices, large quantities of gold and, and precious stones. And look down at verse 10. And she gave the king 120 talents of gold. That's the equivalent of 125 million euro in today's money. Worth of gold, all for the king. And large quantities of spices and precious stones. Never again were so many spices brought in as those the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. But yet, despite her vast wealth, it seems she's not content. She is unsettled. Look at the end of verse 1. We're told that she came to test Solomon with hard questions. Now, I don't think she's trying to catch him out. No, this queen is seeking the truth and she knows she does not have it. Look at the end of verse 2. She came to Solomon 
and talked with him about all that she had on her mind. Well, what was on her mind? What, what's troubling her? Well, I think the clue comes for us in verse 1. When the Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relationship to the Lord, she came to test Solomon with hard questions. You see, news had spread far and wide, right to the other nations of the world, that Solomon, God's king, was in a special relationship with the Lord. A God who not only spoke personally, but a God who came to dwell with his people intimately. Those were the preceding chapters about the temple as God came to meet with his people. Now this queen has wealth. She has everything she needs, but she is longing for something far greater and more eternal than just wealth. She's longing to know something of Solomon's God, a God who has blessed the king and has blessed all those who live under the king. Verse 3, So Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. So in her searching and longing, she is satisfied and fulfilled. She's not disappointed by what she hears and sees. Verse 4, when the Queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, look at all the food on his table, the servants and the officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. She was staggering in the amazement of all that she could see. It's far more than she could have possibly imagined. It's beyond her wildest expectations. Verse 7. But I did not believe these things until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth you have far exceeded the report I heard. And look at the people. Verse 8. How happy your people must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. You see, this queen has travelled a long, long distance and here she is, all her longing and searching, and she is now in the midst of a blessed people. They are wonderfully happy people, satisfied and fulfilled, content, not lacking anything, wisdom and wealth in abundance all through the king. But what is even more amazing, Queen Sheba gets to share in the blessings too. We see this in her confession of verse 9. Praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. It's like Queen Sheba has burst into song, praise God from whom all blessings flow. She's come to see and now she tastes that God is good. 
In God we experience blessing. In God we find eternal love. In God we find justice and righteousness. Now I don't think it's too much to say that Queen Sheba has come to see that under God's king we find far more than we could possibly dare to ask or imagine. Look at verse 13. King Solomon gave the Queen of Sheba all that she desired and asked for, besides what he had given her out of his royal bounty. Then she left and returned with her retinue all that she received to her own country. The point is, the queen leaves more blessed than she did when she arrived. She gave lots, but she receives far more than she could ever give. You see, under God's king means a life of blessing from God's king. So she comes searching and longing. She's satisfied and fulfilled. Things are better and greater. So let us ask the question for ourselves. What can we expect under God's king? Well, life under Solomon, the material blessings that were enjoyed by the people, well, they were a foretaste, a picture of the spiritual and eternal blessings that would come through God's ultimate king, Jesus Christ. You see, under Solomon... All the blessings, well, they were primarily material and partial. And as we'll see next week, they were all dependent on the faithfulness and obedience of the king. If the king failed, then the blessings stopped. So they were material and they were partial. They never lasted. But in Christ... The blessings we receive from the true king, they are spiritual and eternal. Have a look at Ephesians chapter 1. Keep your finger, if you can, in 1 Kings chapter 10. We're going to come back there. And have a look at Ephesians chapter 1. I know you were looking at Ephesians 2 last week. Well, let's have a look at Ephesians 1 and verse 3. As we think about the better and greater blessings we receive through God's King, Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Not some of the blessings, not just a little bit of the blessing, but everything, all the spiritual blessings that are available are ours in Christ. What are those blessings? Well, read on, verse 4. For he... That is, God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and 
blameless in his sight. If you are in Christ today, God is looking at you today as holy and blameless. He treats you as he does his very own son. Let's read on, verse 5. In love he predestined us to be adopted to sonship through Jesus Christ. We are now no longer outsiders, but we can talk to God as Father, brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus. Verse 7. In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of his sin of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. This is all ours today. These are the blessings that we can enjoy. Chosen, loved, treasured, adopted, redeemed, forgiven. We're not short-changed. By his grace, he has poured out his riches upon us. But that's not all. Look at what is to come. Down at verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, when you trusted in Christ, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. We now have the presence of the Holy Spirit. A reminder to tell us that we are looking forward to an eternal kingdom that is guaranteed, that is ours, not because of our faithfulness, but because of the obedience and faithfulness of Jesus Christ. One day we will experience our full redemption, filled with joy, eternal pleasures to enjoy forever and forever. Jesus is the better and greater King. He will not fail you or let you down. He is infinitely wise and abundantly wealthy. In Jesus, all our longings are satisfied and fulfilled. He is God's chosen King, through whom all nations and all peoples will be blessed. So life under God's king. Blessings from God's king. And then third, gifts for God's king. Let's go back to 1 Kings chapter 10. You see, those who came to the king, people like Queen Sheba, received wonderful blessings. But look at how the nations treated the king. Look at their response to the king. Verse 10. Remind ourselves that as the queen came, she gave the king 120 talents of gold, large quantities of spices and precious stones. Never again were so many spices brought in as those the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. If we think that's a lot, well, look at verse 14. The weight of gold that Solomon received yearly 
with 666 talents. In today's money, that's just a little under a billion euro worth of gold. Verse 15, and it doesn't include all the revenues from merchants and traders and from all the Arabian kings and the governors of the territories. Verse 25, year after year, this doesn't want a one-off, Year after year, everyone who came brought a gift. Articles of silver and gold and robes and weapons and spices and horses and mules and everything else you could think of. The extravagance of these gifts are just mind-blowing. It's wealth beyond comprehension. His gifts are so great, verse 16... King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, 600 shekels of gold, that's about 7 kilograms of gold in each shield. He also made 300 small shields, about 1.5 kilos of gold in each of them, 200 big ones and 300 small ones. It's like us decorating our house in 500 euro notes just because we have it. And making your foundation full of two euro coins or something. Is this not all a bit too much? Is this not too extravagant? Like, come on guys, would you just hold back on all the gifts here? Why do those who come bring such extravagant gifts? Because this is God's king. The king from whom all blessings flow. For such a king, no gift is too much. His fame and his wisdom commands it. How much more then does the true king, Jesus Christ, who didn't come seeking any gift, but lavished on us the riches of his grace, who has blessed us with eternal blessings, who satisfies us and fulfills us, who sacrificed his life so that we might have life. How much more does the true king deserve our gifts, our life, our all? The hymn writer poetically put it like this, as he calls us to remember and to picture the cross. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. Look back to the cross. Look to Jesus. See from his head, his hands, his feet. Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? What's our response? Were the whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Even if I were to own the whole of the universe, if I were to be owner of the whole world, that is an offering far too small. He demands my soul, my life, my all. We give our life to Jesus not to earn blessing, 
but because he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So, I should have had that title up a bit earlier. One more, the Queen's warning. Now you may be thinking, I'm not sure if I can do this. Can I give my whole life to Jesus? I don't know if I can trust him with all that I have. If I'm to believe this, if I'm really to, in response, to give him my life, well, I need a little bit more than a story about a queen called Sheba and a visit to a king called Solomon. What's going to convince me that God's king really does have every spiritual blessing and that he is worth giving my whole life to? Well, Jesus has something to say to us. Have a look at Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. The whole context of chapter 11, Jesus has been in debate with the people and religious leaders about, well, that he is God's king. But the people and the religious leaders refuse to believe him. So Jesus has some very direct words to say. Verse 31. The Queen of the South, that's a reference to Queen Sheba, will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. Something greater than Solomon has come. We now have Jesus, the better and greater king. Why would we not trust him? We have his words. We can read all about him in the scriptures. We can see the miracles that he, that he did. His resurrection from the grave. How much more do we need? What more evidence do we need to be able to believe and trust him? You see, there's no point any one of us standing before God on judgment day and saying, I didn't know. Nobody, nobody told me. I didn't quite understand. Look at what Jesus says, verse 31. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them. The picture Jesus is painting is serious. It's as if we are standing on the day of judgment before God and he turns and he says, look, can you see her? Queen Sheba, she's here, she's, she's received the inheritance. Now, if this queen who had far less truth and less understanding and travelled all the way to listen to Solomon and believed and trusted God and was blessed, how much more should we believe the true king who came to us and gave up his life for us, who is abundantly wise and wealthy beyond our imagination? If Queen Sheba believed, then there is no excuse for anyone else not to believe. We have everything we need in Christ. Will we trust him? 
Later in Luke, Jesus reassures all those who do believe. This is what he says in Luke 18. It's on the screen. No one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom. He's saying no one who has surrendered to King Jesus, no one who has submitted their life to the true King, will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. We will not be disappointed when we come to King Jesus. Why do we run after other things and other people? It is a call to turn our hearts back afresh to the true King from whom all blessings flow. You see, one day Jesus will come. And for one, it will be a time of blessing, filled with joy, eternal pleasures at his right hand. For another, it will be a time of judgment. The call, my friends, is for all of us to live life under God's King. And you will discover that you are blessed. And you will know that you will be blessed beyond your wildest dreams. Thank God for our Jesus the King. Let's pray. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Thank you that in Jesus we have the true, faithful, obedient King, who blesses us as we trust in him, who satisfies our deepest longing, who fills us with joy today, and the promise of eternal pleasures to come. Father, help us not to turn to other things or to other people, but to keep looking to you and trusting in you. Father, we give our life in response. My life, my all. We surrender to you and submit to you and say, may your will be done in our life for your glory alone.